Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Still having a look at slightly favors the right footer here, but Griffiths... Having got the goal, goes again! Quick fire then drags it down now. Long we over. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Fletcher! It's Lucius McCulloch, saved it in! Barry Ferguson! Don't miss again! Another episode of the Hand and Roar podcast. This time we've got someone that was a member of the squad at two major tournaments for Scotland at Euro 96 and World Cup 98. It's Darren Jackson. Welcome along, Darren. Looking forward to looking back at what you remember about your international days. It was exclusively under Craig Brown, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yes. Uh-huh. All my caps. So I've got a lot to thank him for. Well, we'll come to that in the, the 90s when you were playing for Scotland. But first of all, let's go back to your childhood. I like to ask every guest what their kind of earliest memories are of the national team. You were born in 66, so would you be able to remember 74 or 78, your first well, recognition? Listen, I do, I, I do re- remember, and it's, it's actually incredible that um, I'm, on, I'm on just now because what I remember of that was... Peter Lorimer, who has sadly passed away, and the commentator shout when he scored against that volley against Zaire. And that's my memory. That's, to be truthful, that is my memory of 1974 World Cup. Uh, and, eight, uh, eight years old, maybe? Yeah, uh huh. And honestly, Laura, I just went, he went, Lorimer! <laughs> and um, it was, that's, that's my, my memory of the 74 World Cup. And it's, as I said, Tragic um, that so many Leeds players have passed away in the <laughs> in the last few months, and tragic that a Scotland legend really um, has passed away. So, but that is my my actually memory of the, the World Cup. The rocket shot he was nicknamed is that right? Is famous I mean, trademark, yeah. Yeah, I mean incredible, incredible strike on him, but could play as well. So, um, so that was my that was my early days. I, I, my dad, when obviously Scotland fans used to all go down to Wembley and thousands and all that. My dad actually took me down one year. I couldn't actually tell you what year. I was I was young and um it was just it was mind blowing really um to be part to be part of that and I um and mother uh, memory of was I was actually at Hamden. Um now I don't I've tried to get the footage um when Maradona was sixteen and made made his debut against Scotland and I had a kilt on and obviously it was the terracing then and I had the barriers and my leg must have been stuck in one of the barriers and something's happened and I've moved forward and I've fallen down the stairs and cut all my knee and I'm actually getting treatment of one of the medical staff behind the goals when Argentina score. <laughs> that must so, be available somewhere. Um, so it's, um, it's, by the way, great memories. I think we're all... I think I would imagine all Scottish footballers are Scotland fans mm. first and foremost, and um, and some 
sometimes some of us are lucky enough to uh, pull on the blue shirt. So it was very much part of your personality then, quite a big Scotland fan. It wasn't just something that was on your periphery as a young footballer. No, of course it was. I mean, listen, I, think, I would imagine, imagine, as I said, most players were, were Scotland fans because fortunately then we, we did qualify for tournaments. So you are watching World Cups and um, watching the best players in the world and watching Scotland. I mean, probably very unlucky not to qualify for the next round. I know we've never, ever done that. And it's like incredible when you look at the players that we've, that, that we've had and just uh, I would have to go through. We'd be here all day if I was to mention them all, but when you look at Doug Leash, Soonis, Danny McGrain, to name a few, do you know what I mean? That we've never qualified and, and that's when... And no disrespect to my time or now or that, but they were world class. Yeah. Do you remember getting caught up in the hype at 78? Um, as I say, not really, because I was probably, well, I'm too old now. My memory's gone a wee bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was obviously a long time ago. But no, but I'm being, when, when it came on Sky the other day, there, I, I do, it was like it was yesterday. I am... Um, I can remember the goal against Zaire and I think we won 5 0. Um, so I, did, I didn't get too caught up in it, but then you go into 78 and you get you, a wee bit more. Um, and the boys that were the players that I was, I was speaking about um, there. And when you look at Archie's goal, it's, it's got to be the best a goal a Scotland player has ever scored. And um, against not mugs, against a top, <laughs> a top side. So um, um, an absolute wonderful goal. And yeah, I mean, that was probably the first, really first World Cup that I, I really got into and involved. Were you always a, a forward growing up? And if so, was it quite predictably Doug Leash, your Scotland hero or anyone else? No, it wasn't actually. Well, yeah, I was, I was always brought up a forward and all that. But Charlie Nicholas was my hero. Charlie, Charlie Nicholas, and it's, I'm going to say an England player, but Glenn Hoddle. Right. Um, were my heroes when I grew up but Charlie was always a big I thought he was a, a wonderful player and you remember his first goal and I think it was against Switzerland and he flicked it up and volleyed it over the goalkeeper's head um, an, an incredible goal and I just I, did, I thought Charlie was a top player and I got to play against him I probably played against him a few times but I got to play against him when I was at um, Newcastle against Arsenal at Highbury and um, he was I mean he was, I thought he was a top top striker about that time. Um, when I was, I was asked, uh, I did a, uh, an interview with the Newcastle um, programme. I got interviewed for the Newcastle programme. They, they were saying, you were playing in the first division then, you were playing at Old Trafford and you were playing at Highbury and you were playing at Old uh, Manfield and things like that. Did you not think you should be in, maybe be in, in the, the Scotland team? <laughs> and I just said, um, No. There was Mo Johnston, there was McAvaney, there was Charlie, Charlie Nicholas, there was Ali McCoyst. So um, I doubt I, I should have been in there. So, but that's that's the quality. I mean, that's the quality we had then. I mean, phenomenal strikers. How times have changed, especially up front specifically, when you've got a list of four or five genuinely superb forward players there. Um, just it's fairly different to what it is now when we're. Yeah, when I played, I mean. Kevin, Duke, um, Coyce, Ali was there, um, John Spencer, John McGinley, Duncan Shearer, 
you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm going to probably miss someone someone out, but when you just look at that, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Um, strikers. So, um, but it was it was good. Um, as you said at the start about growing up. Listen, I, I'm not saying I was a member of the Tartan Army, but you'd, you'd watch every single Scotland game, and, and you are a fan. Whether you go to games or not, you're a fan. Um, so, uh, yeah, massive fat Scotland fan. Were you involved in the, the youth teams, maybe the under-21s in the mid-80s? Nothing, nothing at all. I wasn't involved in anything. No, my first cap I got was a B cap when I was at Hibs. And it pro- probably about 1995, I think. Uh, we played Northern Ireland um, at Easter Road, which I was playing for Hibs at the time. So it was quite Pat McGinley and Stephen Tweed were involved as well. And I've got to say, it's the biggest disappointment. And people always, like when you score a goal and it's not filmed, <laughs> you can always add um, arms and legs onto it, right? Um, but if you're ever interviewing Craig Brown, you can ask him, and I think he would tell you the same story, that the ball came to me. I was probably about probably about 30 yards out from, 20 yards out from the box. And Colin Cameron made a run and I tried to play him in. I tried to dink it over and the, the defenders headed it back out and it's come right back to me. And the Northern Ireland midfield player, right in, it's on the corner of the edge of the box, so it was out wide right. Mm-hmm. And um, it's came back to me and I've chested it and the Northern Ireland player came in and I flicked it over his head and I volleyed it first time right into the far top corner. <laughs> and it was I mean, easily the best goal I've ever scored in my life. Easily. And it would have been up there with Scotland goals. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't filmed, um, <laughs> unfortunately. So um, it would have been nice to look back on, but I've got my memories on it, so that's good enough. As, imagine your first goal for your country at whatever level, A squad, B squad, or whatever, being your biggest disappointment. No, no, no. That's crazy. Yeah. So listen, I think there's loads of people, but I can only I can only say to young kids that I was never, I was never even quoted. I, I got in a couple of under twenty one squads when I went to Newcastle. Well, Craig Brown actually he and he again he'll tell the story. He got a hard time off Ernie Walker because he actually picked me in under twenty ones when I was playing for Newcastle eh, for Meadowbank. Right. And Ernie Walker gave him a right hard time. How can you pick a Meadowbank player? Yeah. He said, "I'll, I'll, he'll show you why he's picked." And for that day, I was picked. The night time I signed for Newcastle. <laughs> ah, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, the early Walker met, so maybe it's a good judgment he signed yeah. for Newcastle. So um, I was, but I was on the bench for one game. I was injured for an, for another game, so I never actually played youth level at all. So I hope that gives other boys encouragement that it's never it's never dead. If you've got that desire and you've got that drive, that um, you can always achieve the full squad, even if you've never played youth level. I think maybe a case in point of that right now would maybe be young Nisbet. I think he's 23 or 24. I don't think he has been heavily involved in the under-21 squads or such, and now he's got an opportunity. Well, I was 28. Yeah. <laughs> I was 28 when I got my first cap. And listen, a lot of was, I'm not blaming anybody. I, I just blame myself because I probably wasn't consistent enough. Yes, I would have three and four games that were good and then another maybe three games that weren't good and not. So it's, it was my fault. It was no one else's fault apart from me. So, um, But I got eventually got there and it was, um, it was special. Was it something that you kept dreaming about or did you think the moment had passed you by to get your first call uh, and your first cap? 28, you do. But, I mean, I was 
because I came into the game late, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't come into the game till I was 18, 19 at Meadowbank. So um, I still had a, obviously a lot of football in me. And listen, you'll always believe, um, you'll always believe that it, it can happen. I mean, even at club level, you always want to go as high as you can go. And um, I was 31 when I signed for Celtic. So nowadays people look at 31 year olds and say, no, they yeah. probably wouldn't, wouldn't sign 31 year olds. So um, you always have that, I always have that um, belief and just a wee story that my sister and brother-in-law lived in Jersey and um, we were out one night and he sat down and because I loved Jersey, <laughs> he said, you know, fancy coming over. This was when I was young. Mm-hmm. And um, I just said, no, I said, I'll, I'll make it. And he, he just says, you're maybe getting on now because I was about 18. Maybe get on a bit, and he never doubted me. He just was being real, being realistic about it. I just said, "No, I'll make it." And I just had that kind of belief in myself that I was good enough. It was just given the opportunity. And as I said, Terry Christie gave me that opportunity, and then talking about Scotland, Kate Brown gave me the opportunity. Absolutely. And when you say that, you know, you you do keep dreaming. I think we're guilty of it as well as supporters. I mean, a few Christmases ago, my uncle Charlie. Just we were sitting down having a few drinks after dinner, and, and he's in his fifties now, and he was saying that he still goes to bed picturing scoring the winning goal at Wembley. <laughs> Listen, the ball. Yeah. I've pictured my, my my goal in the B game. I've pictured me scoring that against Brazil in the opening game of the World Cup. So we all we all dream. Yeah. Uh, so um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what keeps people going. Yeah, completely. Well, it did come true for you. You got your first cap against Russia in March '95, which was it wasn't a a dead rubber or anything. It was a qualifier for Euro '96, nil nil draw, which would certainly these days would be received as a, a very strong result. Was it similar back then? One hundred percent. Obviously, we had a few players out injured, mostly strikers. That's why that's why I got. I would think I got in um, and performed well. The team performed really well. And if I'm truthful, we should have won the game. Tom Boyd could have scored a hat-trick. He was playing wing-back. You know what Boyd was like? Boyd was a perfect wing-back with his engine and his ability. Um, and he could have scored a hat-trick in the first half. I mean, he had three incredible chances. Uh, and that's when he slaughtered them for missing them. But he got himself into good positions too. So we, des- we deserve the draw. Um, but it's a hard one. You go to Russia. I mean, it's not probably Russia... What what is now? Um, it was very. I mean, it was just all the army there and all that. And it was yeah. it was it was brilliant to see. It was um, great to be involved in. But it was it was a, a amazing result. It was a brilliant result. Because they were, and I don't quite know how this works. I tried to look into it. Because we played them in Euro '92 when they were CIS. Yes. So it was the I can't remember what the abbreviation was, but they then just. Was it the bulk of the same team that then would have been playing in these qualifiers? I think it was. I yeah. mean, I, I can honestly tell you. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think it was. Kinchelskis was playing. That's the one. That's the one I, I remember. Um, so it was a great result, as I said. Um, and then obviously we went on from there. Yeah, the, and your first bunch of caps for Scotland. We had a great, great clean sheet. Record. Like we only lost one of your first ten games, which was away to Sweden, I think, and we kept eight clean sheets in your first ten caps. And I know that's not really a responsibility that falls on your shoulders because you were at the opposite end of the park. But that's just quite an incredible stat to read. Well, it, it actually is. 
when when we played in Scotland, it was defended from the front, and that, that wasn't being negative. We know we knew our limitations, and, and by the way, limitations when you had McStay, McAllister, and Collins in the midfield, and McCall. I mean, top players. Yeah. I mean, real top players. When you talk about those stats, I played thirteen qualifiers for Euro '96 in France '98, and I lost one, and it was the Sweden one away. So it's it's a good record. Oh, and, and people talk about nowadays about the, the the high press and it's defending from the front. Yeah, that's what. I, and, and that's. I mean, it was very very unlikely. Only probably on occasions Gordon Judy because Juki had some engine on him um, that the subs last uh, the strikers lasted the game because you did have to do some work and that's how probably Scotland players don't score as many goals as other country strikers. Um, but Craig had a team that, and as I said, I was very, I know, and this isn't, people say, oh, you're maybe doing yourself an unjust, but I know I was very, very lucky to play in that squad. I mean, really lucky because I played with top players. When, when you look who was there, Leighton Gorham, two of the best goalkeepers you could ever ask for. I mean, Henry, Calderwood, Boyd, McAllister, McStay, Collins, McCall, McCoy, Judy, Gallica. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's I just. I could go on and I'm going to miss people out. And it's, uh, I'm sorry if I'm, <laughs> if I'm missing people out. But I mean, top players, not, not just good players. They were, they were top international players. But it, once you got your foot in the door, though, you didn't let go. It's not like you were getting caps here and there. Once you got your game against Russia, that was, that was you, part of the furniture going forward. Yeah, Craig. Craig liked me. I mean, I think about unfair. People probably say it helped having Alec Muller, my, my manager, as assistant manager. Now, whether it helped, I don't know. But Craig's a strong-headed guy. Craig makes his, the decisions. Obviously, a Dalek there who was an excellent coach, brilliant coach. And he would listen to Alec. But at the end of the day, a manager always has the final say. And he must have thought I was doing well enough to, to be in the team and and doing everything that asked, was asked of because, you know, probably go on to it. It took me until I was 14, my 14th gap until I scored. So I must have been doing enough to keep on, to keep in the team and, not, and obviously not just scoring goals. As I touched on with the, well, the clean sheet record obviously means that we were building momentum, mostly with wins. And um, we did have a end of season trip to Japan uh, around that stage where we drew 0-0 with them and we beat Ecuador 2-1, John Robertson and Stevie Crawford scored in that game. Is that something that sticks out to you as a, a very pleasant memory, that trip? It was a great trip. I can remember the centre-half was absolutely smashing me all about the place. I swear to God, and I was playing up front with John Spencer. And Lee Spenny was just brilliant, great player. but the, and, and the funniest boy you'll ever meet in your life, right? And, and Lee Spenny's less like that. Jacko, just leave this to me. I'm not having this. <laughs> and he went and smashed the boy and he got sent off. <laughs> so we're in the dressing room. I said, that was your fault. I said, I never asked you. <laughs> I never asked you to go and smash him. <laughs> uh, but no, it was, it's, listen, you get, to see the, you get to see the world playing for your country. Not only playing for your country, as I say, you get to see the world. And it was, it was brilliant. It was an absolute great trip. And I think when you're new to the squad, it integrates players a lot quicker because you're actually living with each other for the week we were there or 10 days we were there. So you get to know people a lot better 
Um, so it was it, it was brilliant. It was I think Paul Lambert. I think that game Spenny got sent off. Kakerty obviously changed it, and that was Paul Lambert's debut. I'm a hundred percent. You'll need to check up. Yeah. It doesn't matter, but and he got taken off. <laughs> <laughs> he got taken off, and that was his debut. So I can remember I was speaking to Lambo after the game and all that. <laughs> um, so it just shows you how far he came after that. Um, just a few years later, lifting the Champions League. Yeah. So, um, but great, great memories all round. I mean, just the every squad that I, I, I turned up for. It was just. It was a absolute brilliant squad. The atmosphere in the squad was just incredible. So sometimes I feel like trips like that are viewed from the outside or almost we expect it to be a hassle or a burden for the players. But when I've spoken to some recently, I spoke to David Weir for this podcast and he spoke about the Kieran Cup in 2006, I think it was. And also I was speaking to Stephen O'Donnell recently who was talking about the South America trip. And they, they all say that the players absolutely love it. Like it's a joy literally to just go away and play football in the sun and be with your mates for 10 to 14 days. It's brilliant. It's, uh, we were, I was lucky enough to go, I think Scotland, was it twice? We went to America. And, and like, we're on stage in Madison Square Gardens with Rod Stewart. You know what <laughs> I mean? You don't get that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Rachel Hunters, I've got a photo taken with Rachel Hunter. And she's like that, boy, he's getting the stage with Rod. We're all on stage with Rod Stewart, singing away and all that. You don't get that. It's just, I mean, it was just, it was brilliant. And then um, New York, um, football in Miami, you get, to see the, you get to see the world. I mean, obviously, you you know we were out that night, but you're maybe there for 10 days mm-hmm. and you maybe got one night out. I mean, because it's, you're working and people yeah. think, people, a lot, a lot of people think they're away in a jolly. Now, that's the furthest thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, you're in the hotel nearly all the time. You get to go out a walk, but nobody complained about it because you're, you're amongst your pals. Right. Because Craig had a squad that was, I'm not going to say picked itself, but there was a lot of continuity in there. And, and so you're meeting up, and it's great to see the guys again because obviously you, you've got your own teammates at your own club that you, you're pals with, and then you meet up, and it's new stories. and um, and Spenny just kept the place. <laughs> he was just honestly out of this world. Was he a Chelsea player at that point? Chelsea, Everton. Um, obviously came back to Motherwell and all that. Um, but just great, great player as well. Very, very good player. Um, but funny. How how did this come about? Getting on the stage with Rod Stewart. Honestly, this is the first time I've heard of this. Oh no! We, we, we were in New York. We were, we were playing. We were, we were playing America, and it might have been Colombia. I'm not very sure. I think it might have been Colombia. And we got a day off. So Rod Stewart was playing Madison Square Garden. So obviously, I think the SFA had contacted Rod's guys and just said, could the boys come along? So we got the bus into Madison Square Gardens. And right. we're, in, we're, we're in the, the obviously, stand watching and all that. And, um, and the next minute, Rachel Hunter was like, ah, boys. On you go, get up on the stage. And I've got photos of, like, how many people can say they were on stage in Madison Square Gardens? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but that's great. Brilliant memories. That was before Euro, that was before Euro 96. Aye, because I, I remember thinking there was two trips to America, one before each major tournament. Yes, uh-huh, yeah. 
Did uh, did anyone try their luck with Rachel Hunter? Of course not. It's not <laughs> yeah. I, I've got a photo when I've got my arm round and everyone saying, Have you strangled her there? And I've got her pulled pulled in. <laughs> but um so it was it was it was great and Rod came Rod actually came and trained the next day with us. He trained? He trained, he came and yeah, he, he, we did the warm up and we did whatever we were doing, then we had a game and Rod took part in the game. Big part, aye. Yeah. Yeah. What sort of level are we talking here? Junior, amateur, worse? Well, well he did okay. He did yeah. all right. I was a kind of wee bit worried. I thought I was going to get bombed. <laughs> he had been brought into the squad. <laughs> so, no, no, he did okay. But it's, these trips sound amazing. And part of me is gutted that we don't know more about them. But part of me quite enjoys that, that it's just like the kind of, for the players and the players only, just to kind of take take their memories home with them. And it's it stays in the group chat sort of thing. Listen, it's actually people will probably say, "How can you feel?" I feel for them a little bit now because if don't let it's not as though like again, it's, it wasn't a jolly. Do you know what I mean? We work, we went there to work hard. We got one day off. We went to that that concert. It was just all training. You're in your hotel. You eat, sleep, and train. That's what you do. We got one night off. Um, but nowadays it's a wee bit harder because of camera phones and all that and just being out yeah. <laughs> is a crime now. Do you know what I mean? It's someone's photoed with a Coca-Cola and it's no Coca they're saying it's no Coca-Cola. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's a lot harder. it's a lot harder for the boys now. The Celtic boys in Dubai, they got done with that recently, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, well, that's another that's a kind yeah. of another another story, but um which is strong it's wrong for me, but um, yeah. As I say. Well, building towards the end of the Euro 96 qualifiers, the two important wins uh, back-to-back separated by only a few weeks, 1-0 against Greece and 1-0 against Finland. And that pretty much sealed qualification because the final game was against San Marino, who really were not going to drop points against, and uh, Greece had to go to Russia. So it kind of married up perfectly. Do you remember after the Finland game thinking... All right, we've done it. Um, we were actually, I think, we were in Denmark. We played a friendly in Denmark. I've got that here just before the Euros. Yep. Are you talking about the Euros? Yes. Euro '96. Yeah. So I've got. Uh, yeah. we, we we were actually. I'm sure we were in Denmark, and um, the Louder brothers were absolutely sensational. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think we lost 3-0. 2-0. 2 We yeah. came off the pitch and we'd learned the results and we had qualified. Right. So okay. it, was a, it was a friendly celebration. Yeah. <laughs> it was a friendly defeat, which you don't like, but they were a good side. And by the way, any side with the Loudrup brothers in it, okay. even, one of them, even one of them's a, a good side. So, um, but the thing is, we had qualified, so we were kind of, you know, drinking, but we're celebrating that we qualified for uh, Euro 96 and I thought we did exceptionally well in the group. The the games against Greece and then Finland must have been important because if you drop points or lose those games, it doesn't make it unlikely, yeah. harder. I think looking at the group table, it would have made qualification unlikely, not just hard. So to see those two off, especially with a clean sheet, 
it does make the final game against San Marino eh, almost a four. Well, I would say a foregone conclusion. I know that people say there's no easy games, but there's no way Scotland are losing to San Marino. No, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. I can remember the I can remember the Greece game probably the, the most that I actually played, and Ali was sub, and I thought I played really well, and then usual. Uh, as I say, I got taken off, and Ali came on, and Ali scored the winner. <laughs> I mean, he did a he did a friendly against Australia as well, where I was sub, and he came on for me as well, and he scored the winner, the one 0 <laughs> game. Um, so, but by the way, when you've got people like that sitting on the bench, known, yeah, <laughs> you can get your goal. It's um, it's a massive strength for us. So, um, yeah, listen. <laughs> I still speak to people and say that Craig Brown's teams, it was all about no losing goals. Defending's an art as well. Do you know what I mean? And we had, as I say, the two goalkeepers were, for me, out of this world, goalkeepers um, in their own right. Um, but the back three we used to play, and I mean, as I say, McStay, Collins, McAllister and McCall, just in the middle of the park. I mean, it was just... They were, they were exceptional, but we were very, very hard to beat. Um, did we create massive amount of chances? No, no, we didn't. Um, but at the end of the day, you've qualified, and if you're winning one nil, um, you're keeping a clean sheet all the. If you're keeping a clean sheet all the time, a Scotland team like that has always got a chance. Another one that was threatening to get a game up front was Scott Booth. He scored the winner against Finland. Uh, he's just another threat to add to what we had going forward back then. Listen, I, I, I knew I would miss people out. Like Scott Booth and Ian Jess as well mm-hmm. were in the squad then when I got. So I apologise to them because they were they were ex- exceptional players. Um, so yeah, Booth Booth played. Booth scored a lot of goals. Jesse played um, and got a few goals. So as I said, I, th- I think at that time. Um, if Craig, I'm going to mention another one that I couldn't get in. Andy Walker was in the squad at that point as well, who scored who scored a lot of goals. So Craig always knew that he was always going to have strikers that could score goals, but he knew that they could work their socks off as well. And what it was, I think, is about defending from the front. What was it that impressed you about Craig Brown as a manager in your personal relationship to? I think he would, tactically he was he was brilliant, and and he, he knew his players. He, I think his man management was absolutely first class. Was first class because um, he knew how, how to handle the boys. And and listen, Craig had to handle real experienced players like boys from Rangers, Colin Henrys, Tom Boyd, Johnny Collins. Do you know what I mean? Um, Paul McStay's real good experienced. Uh, club players and international players and he handled them as I thought from, fantastically well and he, he he always I think and people are, have their own opinions on managers I uh, obviously mines are going to be good because he gave me all my caps um, but he made everyone I think he made everyone feel part of the squad but as I say him and Alec tactically were excellent and then had us like clued up on I mean all just now Nowadays, it's all video analysis and this and that. And, but they, they had that. They knew how the opposition played down their tee and how we had to play to get results. 
and, and how we had to defend. Um, and as I said, it was it was defending from the front, but it wasn't like that. That was that was our sole purpose, just defend from the front. But when we lost the ball, especially against the best teams, you just had to get back into your shape, and the strikers had to try and stop them. Um, start starting the game. So, um, but his, his man management was was brilliant, and uh, like just uh, and I, I say I say this to him. I can remember we played Belarus. It might have been before one of the qualifiers before the World Cup. Yeah, I think it so. was. Yeah, I'm sorry, it was obviously before the World Cup because of the story, and, and it was it was June the tenth, I think, or June the eighth, and I had just played in the playoffs. It was 97. I just played in the playoffs with Hibs against the Airdrie stay in the league. So, this, and the boys had, down south had played. So, the season had really dragged. When it, it, I'm not saying it dragged on, but late into June, and you're playing a qualifier. And listen, you are going to be tired by that that, that time. Um, and we went out, the pitch was poor. Um, it was really hot. And we were poor the first half. We were really poor the first half. And, goes in at half time and Craig and Alec have their say and all that. And I can remember walking out for the second half and just one thing he said, he said, boys, 45 minutes of the game World Cup. And it was just, uh, you could just see the boys getting a, getting a lift. And I went out, I got brought down for a penalty. Gary McAllister scored it and we won 1-0. And um, that, that, that result, I think that result took us to the World Cup. Is... Is man management underrated these days, do you think? And maybe you can draw on your experience from United here that it's a lot of focus now is about team structure and tactics and, and high press and low block, all that sort of stuff, right? But when I hear, I remember hearing a story, I think it might have been Robin Van Persie that told it on BT or Sky or something like that, where Man United had had a terrible game and it was half time. And they went in and Alex, Alex Ferguson knew the personality types of every player and how they would respond to certain approaches. So Rooney and Nani had had particularly bad games, but he went and he went over to Rooney pretty much face to face and just sent a rocket up his arse, roared at him, need better from you, and that's not good enough, all that sort of stuff. And then just like that, went and put his arm around Nani and said, Come on, son, I know you're I know you're better than this and treated them like a child and they both went out in the second half and were absolutely phenomenal responding to different types of management because Ferguson knows exactly what to do. Is that sort of thing underplayed, do you think, these days? Listen, I played at a time where I played under Jim McLean who was a wonderful, absolute wonderful coach but you would never say his man management was brilliant but because everybody but the only thing is everybody got it at Dundee United. That even the, the the superstars in Malpass, Neri, Hegarty, even Goff when he was ill, Sturrock, do you know what I mean? Like they all got it. So he didn't pick on and so we Jim's man management probably wasn't but it is people people like don't get me wrong, Sir Alex <laughs> and all those Craig Browns and all those were top coaches, absolute top coaches. Um, but at that time, you could give someone a rocket. You can't give anybody a rocket now. That's, I think that's a, 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 a hard to take because you do need, need a rocket. You do need to know when you've not done well enough. It's not. It's a case of unlucky, unlucky now. Um, 
and and as I say, it's hard to give people rockets, but there's loads of guys that were fantastic t- tactically, but brilliant man management. And as I say, we're talking about Scotland here. And for me, Craig was up there with the best. Well, we made it to the Euros and we were drawn in a tough group with uh, Switzerland, England and Holland. When did you realise you were going to be going as part of the squad? Um, I actually remember the the World Cup one more than the, the Euro 96. I can't remember where I was at Euro 96, but you get the, the you actually just got a letter in that you 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 were a member of the um, of the squad, and of course it's just, I mean, it's everybody's dream. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see the reaction. Yes, it's been a long time, but you see the reaction of the country now, and you, the reaction of the players. Um, it's just. Brilliant playing for your country, but actually going to going to a tournament for your country is something that will obviously live with me forever. And that's where I do feel sorry. I'm probably feeling sorry for them. Um, probably the wrong thing to say, but I just feel for the Scott Browns and Barry Ferguson, the Darren Fletchers, the McGregors. Do you know what I mean? I've not experienced that. Who have been again top players. Um, and they've no experience that, and, and and that's where I that's where I appreciate how lucky I am, because they would have they would have been about no doubt about our squad, um, but um, just unfortunate that we just couldn't get them to qualify. So when it comes in and you think I'm there, and well, obviously bad an injury, you're you're selected in the squad, and and I, I'm not saying yet that you think about this, but then you think to yourself, well. I think it was a 22-man squad and you've been picked actually as one of the 22 best players in your, your country. So um, it's always nice. Yeah, I was surprised when I was researching your caps that it says you didn't get on uh, or start any of the, the games at the Euros. Is that something that bothers you to this day? Yeah, I'll tell you a, a crazy thing and we'll obviously go into the World Cup. I actually enjoyed Euro 96 better than I enjoyed France 98 and I never played. <laughs> and it because it was in England, right. because the TV stations were full of it. Um, we stayed in Stratford, and it was just no, it, it didn't actually. Did I want to play? Of course, I wanted to play. Um, I would love to have got on at Wembley. There's no, there's absolutely no doubt about it. Um, but the Holland game, you're sitting on that bench and you're you're thinking, I'm playing at a tournament against a Dutch side who were who were brilliant, um, and we were but we were very unlucky. Very unlucky on the day. And then you go to Wembley and Craig picks his team that he thinks is, is, is going to win. And um, and again, well, we're unlu- obviously again, I thought unlucky. The second half, first half, I thought they were better. The second half, we came right into it. And I mean, I, you know what to remind Gary about missing the penalty. But I do, I do think if Gary had scored that penalty, I think we could have gone on and won the game. Um but what I do remember of that game, and this is obviously a Hamden podcast for the fans, halftime, Scotland fans were absolutely out of this world and singing, I am rocking all over the world. Yeah. Um, status quo. And that there was another song that I can't, but and we, I would have rather been playing and not seen it, <laughs> but seeing it, we actually stopped our, our, our warm up. And I mentioned it the other day there, I stopped, we stopped our warm up and we actually just watched the Scotland fans. And it was just, I swear to God, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And even the England fans were just kind of standing there watching and, and thinking, wow, 
it was. It was just a, a wow factor. Mm. One a, a moment that in my life I'll never forget. Standing on the Wembley pitch, just watching the fans um, singing and dancing. Uh, it was just brilliant. I wish they'd been singing and dancing after the game, That's which they were, but with a victory. Goosebump stuff, and you were was, and you were yeah. playing, yeah. It was goosebump stuff, yeah. It was. Yeah. And then we go, and then we go to Switzerland, and obviously Koisty scores a wonder goal, and we're on the bench, and we're thinking we're through. We're actually we're, we're through, and of course Holland get that goal, he knock us out, and dare I say it, it's glorious failure again. <laughs> but it's not really glorious failure because we did well at the tournament, not not just getting there. I thought we did very well in the three games. Four points um, from that group is is good business. Yes, I, I think so, um, and and a bit a bit unfortunate against Holland and against England. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at the English side, just. When you mentioned Gascoigne, you mentioned Shearer. Do you know what I mean? And then I'm not going to <laughs> disrespect any of the other ones, but when you you look at that, um, they were a wonderful side. But I thought we competed very well, especially the second half. Do you think I actually had a discussion with some people that are uh, that follow the podcast on Twitter recently about what is the most sliding doors moment for Scotland of of your life? Um, and I, I can't remember. You're in '96. I was born in '93, and I described it as when we had the game against Italy to qualify for Euro 2008 and McFadden missed a, a really good chance at the back post to, to put us 2-1 up. And I described that as the biggest sliding doors moment of my uh, Scotland supporting life. But I think that the penalty against England seems to be the the one that most people would point to um, from McAllister. And listen, was it Yuri Geller said, and this is, this is honest truth, that Yuri Geller had said before the game, about if we got a penalty. And I actually honestly watched the ball and the ball moved as Gary went to hit it. I'm not saying that, that caused him to miss the penalty because he just he smashed he was obviously going down the middle and Siemens kind of his leg or his hands caught it as he died. But the, the ball did move. Um, so I don't like bringing it up because good pals with Gary and yeah. that'll, always, that'll probably be, always be a a big regret, um, but he's a, he, he was big enough to go and take it. People miss penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, loads of world-class players have missed penalties. It can happen. Uh, just unfortunate it happened in that game. But I do believe that things would have turned, the England fans would have turned um, on the team. And I think I think we could we would have got a draw, but I think we could have gone on to win the game. Did you... Did it take long to digest what you'd just seen when Gascoigne buried his? Well, I'd seen it many a times because obviously I played well at Newcastle. So, um, that never surprised me. I mean, that's, that's what he had in his locker. I mean, genius, absolute genius. Um, I didn't enjoy it on the day, obviously. Um, and um, But I think we all knew that that's what Gascoigne can produce, and that's what you're, you. That's what I'm saying about the England side. Um, but he was just that wee bit. He was different. Mm-hmm. He was for me. Um, was it 1990? Could have been close to being the best player in the world at the Italia 90. Um, when he took it by storm. Um, unfortunately, he got a couple of injuries. But it was a wonderful goal. But as I said, it didn't give me any pleasure on the day. And you look back and you say, yeah, it was a great goal, but would that have happened, obviously, if it scored the penalty? 
Well, against Switzerland, even though we were pretty successful side at that point, we weren't a free-scoring side, scoring three or four every other game. And we needed a swing against Switzerland and hope that, uh, on the other hand, England could do us a favour. Now, do you remember how you were keeping up with the events against uh, an England-Holland game? Was information being fed to you guys constantly? The people behind us telling us what was happening. And, and listen, we got a result. That was the main thing, winning the game. And we got the result. I don't think you should take anything away from that. But England did do their bit on the day. They scored four, I think. So they did their bit on the day. Unfortunately, they gave a goal away. And, um, well, we just needed one more. When, when Clyde scored, it meant that we needed another, yeah? Yeah, yes. But it's, it's easy for us to say, right, well, all, all, all out attack. Switzerland side weren't a bad side. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're good players that could hurt you as well. So you open yourself up, yes. You, we did open ourselves up a wee bit later on to go and try and get that goal. And if you lose a goal, you lose a goal, you're out, you're, you're out anyway um, when you, you found out um, the England score. So it was just, it was, it was unfortunate. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get a second, which uh, that was our place to try and get a second. But unfortunate that um, Holland scored against England. Maybe the... Tomboy's own goal against Brazil maybe rival this, but when you heard that Clivert had scored for Holland, was that probably the most deflating moment you've had with the Scottish team, even though it was a game that you weren't involved in? Um, um, yes, it's up there. Obviously, it's up there because you're a Scotland team have never qualified for the next stage. So you knew you are going to be that, that, that team that's actually taking the country to the next level. And so, unfortunately, yes, that is the Brazil game because, again, <laughs> we'll go on to it. I think we could have got a result. Were, we, were they a better side than us? Of course they were. <laughs> you look at the players. But could we have got a result? Yes. So, but going back, it, it, was, a, it was a huge disappointment. We are sitting on the bench and we just couldn't, couldn't believe it and pushing for the second goal and all that. So, we went out, but I think we could go out with our heads held high that I never played, but the boys, the whole squad, I mean, even the one like myself that didn't play, were obviously right behind. Um, I didn't see anybody unhappy. Listen, you're all, I'm contradicting myself a few times, but you're always unhappy not playing, mm-hmm. but you understand it's a squad game. The, yeah. the, the manager's got to pick a team that he thinks is going to win the game. He's got to pick a, the subs that he thinks can, can affect the game. Sometimes you're not part of it. Sports Social Podcast Network.